the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you again to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your Bible teacher each week here as we meet in order to study God's Word together and allow the Spirit of God to teach us through His Word. We do, we do trust that our time together be a real blessing and help to you. I say to you week after week, we're not meeting here. We, we don't have a, anything for you to join. We're not trying to get you to do anything. Uh, we don't have a, uh, a denomination or some philosophy to promote for you. We just simply want to teach the Word of God. We have a person we want to exalt, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book, the Bible. And if you can understand God's Word, you can believe God's Word. And the Bible says, Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that the Word of God works effectually in you that believe. You see that word effectual? The first part of that word is effect. God's Word will have an effect on your life if you believe it. If you say you believe it, and it doesn't have an effect on your life, it's because you really don't believe it. And to understand God's Word, Paul says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. You see, understanding God's Word, the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that comes out of God's Word comes from understanding God's Word, God's way. That's why Paul says we're to study to show thyself approved unto God. They told Timothy, give attendance to reading. You ought to show up and read your God's Word. I talked to some people just just a, just a few hours ago. I pastor a local church, and we have people in our assembly from all walks of life, all kinds of situations in life. People don't come to your church whole, you know. They come broken. And I talked to a young couple, a young couple just recently, earlier today, actually, and they're having difficulties in their marriage, and they're contending and struggling with their marriage and fighting. And I had given them some assignments. I said, "Here, here's some passages. I want you to go over and study them together and look at them." And they came and sat down with me today and said, "You know, Brother Rick, it was a shock when I read these passages. My wife had never looked at these verses. She didn't even know these verses were in the Bible." <laughs> And I looked at him and said, well, why didn't she? You're her husband. Didn't you teach her these verses? And he said, no, it never dawned on me that she didn't know them. I'm thinking that she has them in her mind, and, and she's disobeying them. And it turns out she didn't even know they were there. And now she does. And now she ha- you can't obey God's Word if you don't know it. If you don't spend any time reading God's Word, there's going to be a whole lot of information in it that you are absolutely, completely unaware of. Did you know the Bible is the only book you'll ever find in all of your life that people study by reading books about it but not reading it? Can I just say to you that one of the, one of the dumbest things you can do as a Christian is not read God's Word. Now, I know that immediately people say, but Brother Rick, I don't understand God's Word when I read it. That's generally because you don't know how to read it. You don't read the Bible the way you read any other book. You read the Bible the way it's designed to be read. You know that you don't read a novel the same way you read a newspaper, a, 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 a phone book. You don't read a novel the way you read a phone book. You hear me? 
You don't read a history book the way you read a dictionary. You see, you know there's a particular way to read a phone book, there's a particular way to use a dictionary, there's a particular way to read a novel, and there's a particular way to read a history book. Every book has its own way of getting the profit out of it. There's a prescribed way to read the Bible and a prescribed way to study it. There's only one verse in the Bible that tells you to study the Bible. And I believe that there's only one verse because he doesn't want you to get confused about there being 15 different ways. I've got books in my library. One book is a book of hermeneutics, science of studying Scripture. And um, it's got 15 different methods of Bible study. Wrong. <laughs> get Bueller's brother out. Nah, that isn't it. They're not fi- now. They're all all, they're all these are legitimate methods of studying. You know, you study it biographically, you study it historically, you study it topically. You, all that's legitimate, but that's not how you come to understand the Bible. Those are techniques. They're not the basic fundamental approach you take to the book. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Paul says, Second Timothy two fifteen. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. You see, your goal in study's got to be having God's approval, not your preacher's approval, not your church's approval, not your grandma's approval, not your spouse's approval, not your kids' approval, not your neighbor's approval. God's approval. That's number one. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. God's word will work in your heart if you believe it. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we call dispensational Bible study, making, recognizing, marking the distinctions in the timeline of God's word that God has made in it. And when you study the Bible that way, then you can get the profit out of it that God's put in it. There's a, uh, in our study last week, I tried to talk to you about the fact that the Apostle Paul in his ministry, when he closed his ministry, he said to Timothy, I've finished my course. In Acts 20, he says that uh, none of these things, all persecutions he went through, none of them counted, you know, were dear to me. None of, them, none of them stopped me. I didn't count my life dear to myself. That I might finish my course and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. When Paul got to the end of his life, he says, you know, I've done in my life, I've lived my life, Exactly the way I've spent my time doing what God told me to do. And by doing that, the Apostle Paul left for Timothy and for us some assets that allow us to do exactly what he did, that is, fulfill his ministry, fulfill the, ful, fulfill the ministry God's given to us. Second Timothy 2, he told Timothy, the, the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should teach others also. And there are some tools that, that, that God through Paul gave to us to allow us to do that. Number one is the completed Word of God. Colossians chapter 1, we talked about this last time. I'm not going to go over it all again. Colossians 1.25, uh, Paul says that there was this, this dispensation of the grace of God, the mystery which was hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, was given to Paul to fulfill the Word of God. The revelation given to Paul that had been kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest, was designed to complete, to fill up, so that nothing is missing. When you fill fill something full, you can't get any more in it. There's nothing left out to complete God's Word. Do you realize that you and I in the dispensation of grace, prior to the Apostle Paul, nobody could say they had the complete, full revelation from God? 
It was coming to them line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, but nobody could say, I have every word of God in a book. It hadn't been finished yet. This kept being written. Paul's came along, he says, he's made known to us the mystery of the Father's will. Everything the Father has in his mind for us to know, he's revealed it to us. And he did that in order to complete his word. Now, the Word of God is the book you've got in front of you. If you have a King James Bible, you've got, you've got every word God wants you to have. You've got every verse God has for you. Nothing's left out. It's all there. Now, if you've got some other Bible beside a King James Bible, you can't say that because you don't have all the verses and all the words in the verses. But God has preserved them, and we talked about you la- that, that, that last time. The issue of revelation, inspiration, preservation, and translation, all Bible doctrines that cause you to understand how God wrote his, revealed his word, wrote it down, preserved it through history, and has caused it to be put into the language of the nations so that it can be preached to every creature under heaven. And there's a whole system of doctrine in Scripture to tell you how that takes place. Now, that asset of the completed word of God was one of two things that are critically important in Paul's thinking to carry on the work of the ministry, to fulfill, to finish the course of the the ministry. The other one is Romans chapter 16, verse number 3 and 4, demonstrated. Romans 16, verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all, listen, the churches of the Gentiles. Now that expression, the churches of the Gentiles, is a very unique, in fact, it's a very startling statement when you come to the book of Romans. Up until the time you get to the ministry of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 and following, up to the time you come to the book of Romans, everything in the Bible has been focused on the nation Israel. Over 200 times, God, the God of the Bible, declares himself to be the God of Israel. Think about that. You know, people talk about the God of this, the God of that, the God of, you know, Allah, the God of the Muslims, and, and, and the God. In the Bible, the God of the Bible, all through the Bible, until you come to the ministry of the Apostle Paul, identifies himself as the God of Israel. Israel. Over 200 times he gives his name that title. Now, when you come to the Apostle Paul, things have changed. Now, he's the God, not only of the Gentiles, Romans chapter 3. When you go back there, Paul addresses that particular issue. Romans chapter 3, verse number 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. But that's information that you don't learn in your Bible until you come to the Apostle Paul. And when you come to Paul, you begin to see that there are these churches out here among the Gentiles. You see them in the book of Acts, but you come to his epistles to find out where they came from. By the way, the book of Romans, isn't that an interesting book? It's the sixth book in your New Testament. You know what six is? It's the number of man in the Bible. You see the word Romans, you see the word man right in the Right, right. You know, it's three of the letters in Romans is man. It's a book written for mankind about salvation by God's grace and the dispensation of grace. And those churches of the Gentiles, 
They didn't exist before Paul. And now, I mean, there was nothing going on among the Gentiles before Paul, folks. Time passed had 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 you go into Jerusalem, it had to go had you go into the temple, had you go into the synagogues. But with Paul's ministry, Paul goes out and all of a sudden you see somebody out among the Gentiles, and what they're doing among the Gentiles is establishing local churches. Now this is so important in Acts chapter fourteen, in Paul's first apostolic journey. Acts fourteen verse twenty one. And when they had preached the gospel in that city, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, and to Iconium, and Antioch. Now, when he says they returned again to Lystra, if you look back at verse 19, now I'm reading Acts 14, 20, just look back at verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. That city was the city of Lystra. Paul just had left Lystra, went to Derby, verse 20. Now he, he preaches there, and after he's evangelized that city, he goes back to the city of Lystra, where they had just stoned him to death. Now imagine that. Paul thought it was so important to, to go back to the saints at Lystra, where he had just been stoned. He's willing to risk his life for something. What was it? Verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every city and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. Paul thought it was so important to establish churches among the Gentiles, not just go out and get people saved, doing that, preaching the gospel, verse 21. But to go back among those people who were saved and then to establish them in local bodies of believers who are capable to do the work of the ministry, to confirm them, to establish them in the faith, to exhort them, to encourage them, that that even with the tribulation going on, that, hey, you ever hear anybody say, when you know you get saved, all your problems are over? <laughs> Paul says, ain't so, McGee. You're going to have to enter into much tribulation going into the kingdom. Paul says in First Thessalonians, he says, we know that we are appointed to these things. Why? The world isn't going to love Jesus Christ living in you any more than it loved him living in, in his own flesh when he was here 2,000 years ago. So there's a, there's a ministry. He goes back, establishes the saints, and then he ordains them. When he ordains elders, what in the world is he doing when he does that? Well, he's setting up a local church. If you come over to 1 Timothy, chapter number 3, 1 Timothy, chapter 3, this thing about ordaining elders, in 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, If I tarry long, how that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Then when he says that you can know how to behave yourself in the house of God. He's not talking about don't let kids run up and down the aisle and, you know, when you're in the sanctuary, don't whisper. If you've got to whisper, whisper a prayer. That's, that's a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo. There's no sanctuary. The sanctuary, Exodus 15, I mean, go get your Bible and read this stuff. Don't, don't just say, well, that's what my preacher, my church always called it. That meeting room that you meet in on Sunday morning is not a sanctuary. 
It's an auditorium, but it's not a sanctuary. It's not a place where God dwells. God lives in the heart and in in the life and in the spirit of believers. Your body is the temple. That church you go to, that building you go to, that cathedral you go to is not the house of God. You're the house of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Go get your Bible. Read the last two verses of 1 Corinthians 6. God the Holy God doesn't live in buildings made with men's hands. In time past in Israel, he did. He had a tent to live in, the tabernacle. He had a building to live in, the temple. It was in Jerusalem. It wasn't in Illinois. It wasn't in Michigan. It wasn't in America. It wasn't in Florida. It wasn't in Washington. It wasn't in California. It was in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, <laughs> in Israel. But God doesn't live in those. The sanctuary for God to dwell in, where he's going to reign, go back and read Exodus 15 and understand what he says and where he says it is. It's a piece of real estate on the ground. He's, it's not that building you meet in. I was raised in a church that had, had it written all over the bulletin. If you must whisper, whisper a prayer, you know. I can remember as a kid. On, on, we'd have communion once, you know, and, and we'd go up and we all as kids like sit up on the front row because folks go up and kneel at the kneeling rail and we like to listen to their uh, their knees pop because <laughs> it made noise. Woo! You know, you know what that is? That's kids being foolish. You know what that kneeling at the rail was and all that stuff? That was foolishness. Not what God's doing. When he says that thou mayest know how to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth, the church, he's talking about the local church at Ephesus. And that local church needed to know how to behave itself. Titus chapter 1, Paul told Titus, he says, I, I sent you this for this cause I left you at Crete, that you could set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders. You see, the issue of ordaining elders, First Timothy 3, if any man desire the office of a bishop. Verse 8, the office of a deacon. What's a bishop to do? He's to be apt to teach. A bishop is to teach God's word. A deacon, a servant, is to serve God's people. You know what the local church is about? It's about teaching God's word and serving God's people. That's what the local church is. The local church is a group of saints gathered together to do the work of the ministry of teaching God's word and serving God's people, led by bishops and deacons. That's why Philippians 1, Paul writes and says um, to the bishops and the, the uh, writes to the saints and the bishops and the deacons. That's what a local church is. A local church is not a building. It's not an organization. It's not a bunch of uh, uh, systems, denominations. It's a group of people. Everything you need to know about the structure of the local church is right there in First Timothy chapter 3. You need to have people who, who's, who who teach God's Word and serve the saints, and those two groups of people are, are to oversee the work of the ministry. Now, that's it. You know, there's an insurance commercial where they, they talk about everything you need to know. You can, you, you know, you can get in a 30-minute phone call, and then the next other company says, well, no, you can get 15 minutes. There's the whole definition of a local church in 15 seconds. Oh, I know. You know, you, 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 people say, well, what about this and what about, you can, the structure you need to carry on the work, the, the churches of the Gentiles is right there. You need people who teach God's word and serve God's people, and the saints are to be led by those two groups of people. That's the structure. Now, the reason he gives you no more information than that is because it's going to be churches of the Gentiles. That structure can be applied in every culture that you live in. 
And the reason he doesn't give you a bigger hierarchy kind of structure than that is because the churches of the Gentiles are going to be in all kind of different situations. Those two assets can be carried on, can carry on the work of the ministry, committed our trust in any kind of a culture, in any kind of a structure. Everything else is superfluous. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, If any man touch, teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine discordant and godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions of strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men, a corrupt mind, sounds sort of like the church, doesn't it? Destitute of truth. From such withdraw yourself. You know what they do? They suppose that gain is godliness. If that's your definition of success... For your church, gain is godliness. The verse says, 1 Timothy 6, verse 5, I didn't write it. The guy that wrote it didn't consult me and ask me if it was a good idea. I'm just telling you what it says. When people think that gain is godliness, more people this year than last people, bigger offerings this year than last people, more buildings this year than last year, that that's God's blessing. He said, that's perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. From such, withdraw yourself. That's not the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry, what does God want? All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He has churches, local churches. By the way, you don't have any hierarchy in that. Back in Acts 14, Paul commended them to the Lord. He commended them to God's working in the midst of that local church. Acts 20.32, when he met with the elders from Ephesus, he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He didn't commend them to some denominational doctrine, some denominational hierarchy. You see, if you have a, if you have a thousand local churches that are independent, autonomous, following and teaching God's word, serving God's people, doing the work of the ministry, how would you corrupt all of them? It would be hard. You could corrupt some of them. But you'd have to corrupt a thousand different ones. But if you had one church all controlled from the head, you know all you got to do? Con- corrupt the head, and it grows right down to everybody else. Now, by the way, I talked to you last time about that completed book that comes through Paul's revelation. All of the churches, all the epistles of Paul, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians, were all written to local churches. You see, the completed word and the churches among the, of the Gentiles work together. And what you have is a book that's designed to produce life that's lived out in the local church. First Thessalonians 2.13, I said something earlier about it. The Word of God works effectually in you that believe. God's Word will have an effect in your life, have an impact in your life. It will change your life if you believe it. The context of the local church is that you have leaders that teach you God's Word, servants that serve you in helping the application of God's Word to the detail of your life, so that the Word of God works in the context of the local church, works out through the saints. You have a book, a completed book, operating in the context of a local church. We're not intended to work out there solo, by ourselves. 
We're not we're not intended to to be out all by ourselves. We're not intended to be in big denominational structures. The local church is the primary vehicle through which God works among works His word and His will in the dispensation of grace. So you need to have God's word. If you've got a King James Bible, you've got God's word in your language, a completed revelation. And then you need the churches of the Gentiles. You're not trying to be Israel. You're carrying on the ministry that God gave the Apostle Paul for the dispensation of grace. You're not you're not part of some denominational hierarchy. You're not you, you don't have lords over you. Paul said, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but we're helpers together for your joy. And then you let God's word work effectually in you that believe. Our time's almost gone. Can I offer you a free Bible study on this topic? I call it the 15-second church, because <laughs> it only took me 15 seconds to tell you what the church is. Now, you can add all kind of cultural things, but that's all it really is. The 15-second church. Let me give you a free copy of this Bible study for you to consider how it ought to work in your life. The number to call is 888-535-2300, 888-535-2300, and you can receive your free copy. We'll be glad to see that you get it with my compliments. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. You call, and the folks that answer the phone will be happy to see that you get that uh, that Bible study. Again, 888-535-2300 is the number to call. Can I tell you also that if you're really interested in studying God's Word for yourself, not not being a part of some religious organization or uh, top-down kind of thing, but you'd like to get your own feet grounded in God's Word, where you can understand it for yourself, you can see it work in your life because you believe it. I, I can't I can't get beyond that point with you. You you have to believe God's words yourself for God's word to have the impact in your life is designed to have. But if you don't understand how understand it, then you don't know what to believe about it. If you'd like to get your feet grounded in that, could I could I suggest to you that you consider uh, our Bible Institute program, Grace School of the Bible. Grace School of the Bible is a three year, in depth Bible study program that's available for you. You don't have to come here to where we are. We'll send the school to where you are. It's by it's available by what now is called distant learning. Uh, it's an extension school. Now, if you have a local church that you're a part of, you can do it under the, you know, as a part of that ministry. But really, it's designed to be independently available to you. We seek to work through local churches. There are there are actually people in your area, right where you're listening to this radio program, who understand these things, who love this the truth that we're teaching, and they put this program on the the station that you're listening to, and they would be happy to have you as a part of of the ministry that they're in, involved in. They would be happy to help you in, in your studies through Grace School of the Bible. And uh, if you call our office, 888-535-2300, our folks can put you in touch with the people in your area that understand God's Word rightly divided, that meet together in a local assembly of believers where, where the grace life is the issue. Not gain is godliness, but where godliness with contentment is great gain. And we'll be happy to put you in touch with them. And I guarantee you, they'll do you good. If you don't have an assembly to attend this week with your family, if you have one, where the Word of God is taught rightly divided, and the message of grace is the issue, then you are robbing yourself and your family, if you have one, of of spiritual assets and things that you need to have put into their life and in yours. 
So that's why we make this, why I make that appeal to you. But I can tell you that if you want to get your feet grounded, Paul said that you need to be established in the faith as you've been taught. There's probably not any any way to do it more thoroughly than to do it through the through the uh, the studying of uh, available in Grace School of the Bible. As I said, Grace School of the Bible is unique in that it's available through uh, an extension basis through the use of uh, video DVDs. It's also unique in that its curriculum base is not the standard fare of Bible institutes and Bible colleges. Uh, our curriculum base is not designed around the typical systematic theology uh, structure that you find in the average uh, training program. Rather, we took a dare of faith, and we followed exactly the model for the edification of the believer, for the establishment of the believer, that the Apostle Paul sets forth in his epistles. There is in Paul's epistles a specific curriculum design, or maybe I should say a particular design for a curriculum a structure of understanding for the believer. And if our curriculum in the school is follows that particular uh, curriculum, you learn the things in the order, you learn the things and in the order that God through Paul tells you you need to understand them. You'll know your English Bible, you'll know why you trust it, and you'll know how to understand it, and you'll see it begin to transform your life and give you a ministry. Let me let, let me recommend to you Grace School of the Bible. You call us here eight 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 five three five twenty three hundred. We'll be glad to see that you get the information. And uh, by the way, the the, the school is it has no correct no no tuition base for it. So uh, that that might be an asset too. But if you're really inter- interested in being a, a, a thorough, in-depth study student of God's Word, you ought to look at Grace School of the Bible. You can look at our website, graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org, or call us here, 888-535-2300. Time's gone today. Thanks for being with us. Until we meet again the same time next week, Maranatha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.